Blog Talk Radio. March monogamy? No, it's March Madness. To quote the great Greg Anthony, it's Fanatic Radio as well here on blogtalkradio.com. Here at One Stop Shop for everything. The tournament for this week's episode. Your host Michael Gardner, with me as always. The uh, notorious Ben Florence. Hello. With some uh, parentals in the area. That's right. Hopefully they're listening right now. Yeah, we apologize for starting the show so late, but um, Mike. Running a little bit of a couple of errands and ran into some uh, familiar faces, among notables Charlie Jones, Cruz, Jonathan Davis, and Tim Staples. Tim Staples! So, yes, snackradioblocktalkradio.com. And we immediately uh, swing out of the gate with March Madness. Absolutely. Um, oh, so speaking of Jonathan Davis, yes, we, we will begin with... Um, uh, the American University website indicates a banner season comes to a close as... The American Eagles fell to Wisconsin in what was the largest victory for Wisconsin in the tournament. Well, of course, in the tournament. And, and the, no, in Wisconsin tournament history. Oh. And also, the victory was the largest from a two seed since, like, the 80s. Other, oh, wow. But despite of <laughs> the clinic that the Badgers put on, the Eagles made the tournament. That's right. And we can't be more proud of them on the show, can we? Absolutely, yeah. Um, you know, as we noted, as we, we've covered all season long, third of the year, they're predicted to finish where in the Patriot League? Second to last. Second to last. Not second, where they finished in the regular season. Not first, where they won the uh, conference championship, the tournament. But, uh, yeah, it was uh, definitely cool to see us we played yesterday, early afternoon, the second game of the day, and um, freaking the Wisco, Milwaukee, Wisconsin slate with our good friends uh, Iron Eagle, Jim Spinarco on the call. AU leading early, and we'll put it up by seven. The defense was looking very good. Wisconsin couldn't hit anything. We looked solid offensively, except for one thing that really got Wisconsin going, and one thing that's been a prop for us all year, is turning the ball over. We are... I believe the worst team in conference. We had a negative two to one turnover to assist ratio or turnover to force turnover ratio. Yeah, which is surprising considering how well we distribute the ball exactly. in our Princeton offense. But needless to say, we were we were pretty much dominated the entire second half. That's right. Wisconsin closed the game the first half on a nineteen to three run and then we did not score a basket until we didn't, we didn't, then we went into a drought in the second half, and we only scored a basket within, like, 10 minutes, and we only scored 13 second-half points. Yeah, the Wisconsin's offense, they really opened up. You had to figure at some point their offense was going to get hot. It's been perhaps the best offense of the Wisconsin team in a long time. And AU showed, it kind of reminded me in a way, except not nearly the same, when uh, we went to UMass, oh, no, Boston the first time. In the second half, we couldn't get our offense going. 
and we all, we had an extended drought. Except this time, it killed us. We were going to score by 30 in the second half, which is outrageous, and especially because we couldn't get any offense going. We run a, we we're not built to play in a shootout. And with the style of offense we run, we don't play fast. And I wonder what an interesting uh, stat I did not know. We were one of the top teams in the country for um, uh, like assists per basket. I can see that. Which showed we great at sharing the ball, but also showed maybe we didn't have guys that could um, create, their own, create shot. their own shot. Which showed yesterday. Exactly. Well, other than that, Eagles take home the Patriot League trophy. I saw it yesterday in Mike Brennan's office. Beautiful bat, two and a half feet tall, giant gold basketball on the top. Yeah, I saw it at the uh, the, the selection show watch party. But the exception of us winning the Patriot League, which obviously is the highlight of their season, what has been your favorite moment from this year's Patriot League campaign? Um, I have two for you. The first game against Boston, where we beat them by thirty, because that's what we had. What did we start? Ten and zero in conference, something ridiculous. We never really would have been five and zero in conference. It's the best. That's the best start the Eagles have had since when they were coaching under Gary Williams in the eighties. And the Boston game, yeah, we played absolutely out of our minds. I mean, when you shoot in the seventy percentile, that's just outrageous. I love that. Also, the semifinal Patriot League game, uh, we we went down by ten with like I think like eight minutes to go against Holy Cross at home for the Saturday of spring uh, starting of spring break. And then, next thing you know, uh, two things happen. Brennan puts in our good friend Charlie Jones, who you saw. Still is 14, but whatever. And, and then he switched to a 2-3 zone. But we cross. They've got that big guy. I forget his name. It's like... Uh, oh, well, Ladowski. Ladowski. That was killing us with long jumpers. We moved to the 2-3. And then Malcolm, uh, Malcolm Miller. That's right. We shut them down. We went on an awesome run to end the game. Where we, the place was just going nuts. That those two had to be my favorite. No, Dave Dave Dzinski. Yeah, Dave Dzinski. That I knew it was something Polish. Another also a great game was our first home game against uh, UMBC. Yes. Uh, Jerry Gardner ties it and regulation dishes it for the winner at the end. Over Jesse, Jesse Reed scored the game winning basket. That's right. That, that was, that's we had some great moments this year. It's been a great season. That's you finally got to see a tournament team. How about that? I know. Proud. I'm going to shout out to uh, Tyler Tomei, who's very upset that of all his four years at AU, never once they made the tournament. It's his first year. Awful campaign. Second year with the Black Mulvaney, we lost in the semifinals. And then last year with the return of Stephen Lumpkins. I know last year. No, no, no. Last no, year Vlad, was, no, the, Vlad was my freshman year. Your freshman year. What happened the year before? The year before, we were just awful. This is when we had the huge recru- recruiting classes. The low year after uh, Derek Mercer and Garrison Carr graduated. Garrison Carr. Garrison Hurst. And Tyler's senior year was the return of Lumpkins because the year before was Charles Hingle and we got drummed by Lehigh, which uh, right. was when CJ McCollum won for Lehigh. The UMBC game is one of my favorite moments. The fact that we won our first home game in overtime, and everyone got to see sort of the new age of AU basketball because we had gone into George Mason and lost by three. And George Mason ended up being terrible, right? But when we we did not get killed by them, and we thought this team actually could be pretty good. Mike Brennan could actually be selling something here. Yep. And then we had a couple of a uh, stretch of really bad games, uh, the loss of Brown at home, 
with a winless streak in California. <coughs> and, 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 uh, with the exception of the season, another moment that I liked was when Brennan was first hired. Uh, year, uh, almost coming up on the anniversary of when he was hired. That's in April, right. In April. That's right. He went in and immediately uh, amassed his his monotone enthusiasm. Yep. Pitched ideas of how we were going to compete and be good in the Patriot League and make the tournament as we played the soundbite last week when we actually right. and I actually called and said we were going to win the Patriot That's League. Right. Went to the dance. And then I said we were going to win the NCAA. They said we were going to win it all. Which we, we, we had a shot. We were one of the 68 teams to theoretically have a shot. Absolutely. I'm glad that was, that was a key moment because that was sort of the new age when everyone was wondering, who is this Mr. Mike Brennan? The man of mystery. The most interesting man in the world. Don't forget, who else did he ask about? Was, was Pee Wee. Yep. Pee Wee's fast. If you go back and listen to that, all the signs point to Pee Wee's going to be the focal point of the team, which he was. Ended up getting Robucci involved. Be interesting in the weeks before when we finally get interviews with these guys. That's right. What was their thoughts that day in April when Mike Brennan took over? Mm-hmm. Because none of them had been around when Brennan was here. Exactly. Congrats to the Eagles, Patriot League champions. The trophy stays for a year. Uh, before we get off the top of American, what do we do next year? Do we repeat? Go back to the dance? I think we're in good. I think we're going to be in interesting shape next year because we return. Pretty much everybody except for Roblicky. Now, Roblicky will be a big loss. He's defensive player of the year in the conference. He's the first team all-conference. He also uh, has now holds the program record for a career box. Does he really? And he also became a bit of a folk hero, as, as I noted uh, on Twitter um, and the like. People loved him because he had the one-handed free throws, which it is, I mean, if people were, like, making an outrageous deal out of it, I mean, but we were obviously used to it. But it isn't something you, you see very much, but it definitely was. And, and, and I mean, Eagles aptly described as Mesmer. Great idea. But um, I think it's going to be an interesting team this year because everyone's going to be back. Unless, say, like Jesse Reed decides to declare for the NBA draft, which don't rule out. But then, uh, and I actually tweeted him, you have the two transfers, Kevin Panzer from Nevada, Reno. And uh, Jonathan Davis from GW, another tournament team. They're playing uh, at some point today. They play tonight, don't they? I think they play tonight against uh, Memphis. And so, and I, uh, so, and those are a couple of big guys. Zach O'Connell will get more minutes. And when he's played this year, he hasn't been awful. He didn't get a huge amount of court time, but he, he's he, he's a soft player, and he and he hasn't been healthy either. So I think that we have, we could definitely. Uh, repeat, it wouldn't, honestly, it wouldn't surprise me. Um, Boston, because you still have Watson Jr., but Irving is graduating. Um, uh, is uh, Morris, uh, is he still going to be around? Or I think so. But Boston will definitely be up there. Um, but I think we could be, uh, I mean, we won't sneak up on anybody like we did this year. But I think we'll be a team to certainly watch out for next year. In the Patriot League, and especially because, like I said, everyone's back. They have the confidence they can do it. Like, Brennan's got a year under his belt. they got a year in the system. Who knows what could happen? After all, the last time we went to the tournament, we went the next year as well. We did repeat. So. That's right. Under under uh, Jeff Jones, who was an assistant with Mike Brennan. How about that? How about that? 
Another, a team that we could, that definitely could uh, be big is I think Holy Cross returns a lot of people. That's right. And they were good this year. And they had a fresh. They got a good coach. The best dress coach in the Patriot League, I always like to say. Love the three PC. They bring in. Yeah, Don Don Morris actually does graduate. Oh, how about that? But Watson only a sophomore. That kid's awesome. And he should have been player of the year. And good and good point guards usually <laughs> lead good teams. Patriot League is wide open once again next year. We are excited. We're not going to go on a limb and say they're going to win the Patriot League as it's, you know, 360 days until that happens. That's right. But all signs... Well, we won't be counting it down, though. Exactly. All signs will be pointing to hopefully host for your senior year. So you didn't do that this year. Although AU did not pull off the upset, several teams yesterday did as well. Which is after AU lost, like 20 seconds later, yeah. good friend Vernon Lundquist on the call. Now, eight seconds to go. Kraft defensively. Sanford on the oh. 3.8. B. Sanford. Kraft all the way up. No! Another look, Bill. Unbelievable. The kiss to be remembered in Dayton. Uh, so our good friends from Lundquist, Bill Rafter, on the call. As Dayton Love got, the, got sort of the, uh, the glass slipper roll ball rolling. That's right. Beating Ohio State in a very exciting game in which Aaron Kraft's game-winning shot rattled in and out. That's right. And that was only the beginning as a few hours later, one of the big surprises. More madness. More madness. Dude. A program that's only been Division One for half a decade. It's over. North Dakota State advances to the round of 32 as they pull the upset against the five-seeded Oklahoma Sooners. A team, as Doug Gottlieb described, is only in their second year of Division One. North Dakota State upsets five-seed Oklahoma. We also saw several overtime games were very exciting. UConn survived from the... They were down for much of that game. St. Joe's was very good, but UConn, UConn got it to overtime, and then uh, Kenneth Savage, that do-it-all guy for St. Joe's, fouled out, and after that, St. Joe's really fell off. But UConn, uh, good friend Kenneth, and they, had, they, ran, they, they ran the Valparaiso play at the yeah. end of regulation. Kevin Ollie, awesome coach, and he ran the Valpo play, and it almost worked. They're not John, but our third member of our team, Graham Burns, who... It was nice enough to stop by for his usual position. <laughs> what is your what, what was favorite your position. what was your favorite game yesterday in only well, one of many upsets? Favorite game? Uh, well, obviously I'm a Syracuse fan, so I enjoyed watching that a little bit. Did they, did they win by more than the yeah, the deficit AU suffered? No, they won by like 24. It's 40 points to build. 40 points against deficit. It's the greatest, and I think it will remain. The one seeds have been struggling just a little bit. Arizona squeaked like they were back and forth with uh, yeah with Weber State for a while. Weber State. Weber State. I'm sorry. Uh, but Louisville, that was an interesting game yesterday. That was, awesome. that was very interesting. Rick Pitino gave the NCAA a lot of flack for putting him against his former player and assistant coach. And ball round. boy with the Knicks. And ball boy with the Knicks. So uh, he gave the NCAA a lot of flack, and it I 
I now understand why he did that, because he wasn't as much upset about the floor scene that they got, which was ridiculous, but uh, more about the fact that he had to play his assistant in the first round. It was very obvious that they play the very same style of basketball, and that caused a lot of problems for Louisville. And I think that gave Wichita State the blueprint for how to beat Louisville if they end up uh, playing them. Which they almost did last year's Final Four. That's right. They were up by 10, like, deep into the second. The thing that's interesting about the Manhattan game, and uh, because the Louisville players, they, they looked a little flat. I mean, they rolled through the AAC tournament. But, you know, sometimes in these first games, as we've seen with the one seeds, occasionally they'll come out a little slowly, they haven't played in a while, and they expect to just roll teams. And they, they take a while. And Manhattan's a solid club. I, I thought it was going to be a good game. I didn't think that Manhattan was going to, you know, have a shot to win, which they did before Luke Hancock played out of his mind. Like, Russ Smith had a big three. And by Hancock, back-to-back three. It was a zeal. Uh, was out of his mind. Well, he, he, he's just nuts. He had a bunch of nonsense moments. But I think if they do, because I think they'll blast St. Louis. Yeah, I think they're St. Louis with the other crazy game. They should have lost. Yeah. They should have lost, took care of the ball. They did like set 11 free throws in the last yeah. like eight minutes because Slew started to foul. Mm-hmm. And, and then if you think completely blew the game, decided not to make free throws. And they lost in overtime, rightfully so. You can't choke a game like that. It was just outrageous to watch. Mm-hmm. Is that your favorite game, Flo? St. Louis game? The St. Louis game was just so ridiculous. It was, it was absurd. I mean, we had a lot of awesome games. The UConn game, the Dayton game. Oh, the Dayton game was great. That was awesome. Um, North Dakota State game against Oklahoma. Actually, I made two brackets. One of them had North Dakota. And we're yeah. overlooking Arizona State, Texas here. Exactly. And that was another. Yes. Get this shot off. Worst case, you go to overtime. Taylor, three seconds. Jumper home. Off the mark for three. At the horn. It goes. Cameron Ridley wins it. Texas is moving on. They will go to the monitor to check this one, but I'm on your camp right there. Dejected on the sideline, Arizona State. And the Texas Longhorns win it at the buzzer. Our good friend Ian Eagle on the call just hours later after the AU game. That's right. In Milwaukee, Texas won the buzzer. Yeah, I think it's the only has been the other than the Dayton game, which was really at the buzzer. Yeah, this has been the only buzzer beater game. That was my favorite. That was the definition of what March Madness yeah, was. Yeah, that was crazy. It was last second May. It reminded me. I told you this last night. Uh, remember the Butler Old Dominion game? That was in DC in 2011 when uh, Matt Howard there was a scramble. He put up uh, a bunny at the horn to win the game. Yeah. And that was a tough game because that was a good ODU club, but. Next thing you know, they uh, then they roll to a second straight NCAA tournament appearance. Mm-hmm. So final four appearance or, uh, or a final four appearance. Yeah. championship is what I meant to say. A lot of great games yesterday. Um, good games today as well. We saw Mercer upset Duke. Absolutely, which is the third. Yeah, the third upset for Coach K since '07, That's which right. includes Eric Banner and VCU. Our good friends Steve McCall and Lehigh. Yep. And um, Mercer Barrett says, I did not know this is the first tournament appearance since 85. 
they've they've been like a decent team in the in the Atlantic, Atlantic Sun. That's with, right. With Florida Gulf Coast, those two have really been like the cream of the crop for its short existence. Exactly. So Mercer's been a good team. They just haven't been able to make the tournament. And uh, I mean, I think Duke is just on a quest to lose every seed possible. They've Probably. now they've now as they've lost the two seed, the three seed. I'm sure they've lost any other number of seeds. So. Uh, they 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 just live by the three and die by the three. Right. With, with how many jump shots they took today? It was a bunch, pretty much a bunch of guys taking threes, and then Jabari Parker. Yep. Occasionally inside. Uh, they definitely need to go to him more later in the game. They didn't. They relied on their outside shooting. Uh, it was too late. It was it was too late, and Mercer had too much inside. And exactly. Their, their passing was so crisp. That's the thing why I I I did actually seriously think about picking Mercer. I know Seth Davis, a Dugrat, almost picked Mercer. At least he says he did. Said it during the selection show. But the, that's the thing about the Mercer. They can. That was the problem for Duke. Not only can Mercer score a lot of points, they had the interior guys that Duke didn't have. Like Jamari Parker spent a fair amount of the year playing the five. He is, he's not a five. He's a lot of things. An awesome player. Please not at the center position. So I thought it was going to be a nail biter. It was, but then it was Duke that came out the other end. Of course, the people that hate Duke uh, were ecstatic. You know. Yeah, interesting comments when um, Rachel Nichols interviewed Coach K. She was saying that uh, currently Parker's status to leave is uncertain, and that a loss like this might actually spark him to return for another year. Uh, Parker always seemed like a guy I could see returning. Like Wiggins, I think is going to go. Yeah, Wiggins is done. Embiid is going to go. Tom Randall's gone. Randall will go. And he hasn't even played his game yet. But Parker always struck me as a guy that he may stick around. That's why. That's why he chose Duke. That's why he chose good education. And of course, he will be a lottery pick. Every single year, I don't. I don't think he's Yeah, and I don't think he's a market smart, where his draft stock is going to drop next year. And I think even it might raise because they will have a few guys graduating, uh, primarily perimeter players. So his game will be, and he'll have um, who's the guy coming to the center next year? The number one recruit in the nation. I can't. His name slips me. I know who you're talking. Yeah, about. Uh, he'll be coming in next year. So Make Parker. <laughs> yes, another Plumley brother. Uh, awesome. No, but I think that with a true center next year, he will really be able to do uh, – he'll be able to exploit more uh, one-on-one matchups instead of having to chase constant double teams. A lot of his baskets now seem to come from tough interior That's putbacks. Right. Is it Luke or, Kennard? No, or yeah. dunks. And uh, so it's just – I think next year – He'll be a little more refined, and he'll be able to exploit his mid-range game a little bit more. That's, I agree. I agree 100%. So we saw Mercer win today. Stanford, Mercer with a 10-7 game, is really an upset. We saw a lot of upsets yesterday. As the game's remaining today, who is on the hot seat? Um, I will start. I think North Carolina might lose. Yeah, it's got to be A Providence. Providence team that won yep. the Big East in dramatic I think Providence. Uh, they, they, they have a, and their coach and have a team with uh, Bryce Cotton that's just is balls to the wall, have nothing to lose. That's right. Yeah, look, they, they play, they really don't play any of their backups, but their starting five is really good. They, they're great at the free throw line. I love Bryce Cotton. You remember, I was talking about Providence last time we were all here. Yeah. Graham was hating on me. I, yeah. <laughs> but, and Ed Cooley's a good coach. And so I think I think that could be a little upset today. Any other upsets? 
I mean, Stephen F. Austin, VCU. Absolutely. First of all, it's a 12-5, so you have to look at it. Second of all, VCU, uh, they're havoc defense, although, uh, I mean, Stephen F. Austin hasn't lost since Since January. Since Thanksgiving. They haven't lost since the non-conference. And uh, so they clearly have a a very good team. Um, And VCU, when their havoc defense doesn't create turnovers, it's a, it makes it more obvious that they are a more one-dimensional team that really feeds off turnovers. They struggle in the half court. It was proved against St. Joe's. And St. Joe's took care of the ball so well in that 8 10 title game that it exploited. They shot well, too. And they shot well. And I really think it's important to be careful with the ball and be uh, very judicious with your dribble. And that's what Stephen F. Austin has out exactly. offensively. For Huey Gardner. That's right. They play a very attacking – they play like havoc on defense. But on offense, it's such a change of pace. They play very slow. Yeah. Um, there are a couple other – like, I could uh, – a lot of people have Oklahoma State winning. I have that as well. I'm not a big uh, Gonzaga guy. I, I also – Can GW keep DC alive? Yes, I think they will. I think and an upset that people should watch out for, well, besides Cal Poly over Wichita State, in which I did pick Iowa State, but watch out for North Carolina Central. But I've been joking with my friends that call them the greatest MEAC team ever, but they legitimately are because they're really good. It's their first year in the tournament. They're, they're awesome defensively, and they can score. Iowa State, some people think could be in the East region, potential Final Four team. Lead eight. I actually have them in the Final Four. But they better watch out for this Eagles club. Not the American. It definitely could be a game. But NC Central is a very good team. Now, naturally, watch Iowa State win by 30, but um, that's that's what we love speculating on this show. Absolutely. We'll keep you updated with the games that are currently going on. Creighton up by six against Louisiana Lafayette. Tennessee cruising after they won their first four game a few days ago. We'll be back with more college basketball and other news in the sporting news. After this, you're listening to Fanatic Radio, blogtalkradio.com. What was it? It's Fanatic Radio. And whoever made the decision to give you this big, fancy studio is an idiot. The reason you wake up on game day and put on your team's colors. Fanatic Radio on... Blog Talk Radio.
With the way they're playing, we could go undefeated. The reason you wake up on game day and put on your team's colors. Fanatic Radio on Blog Talk Radio. I believe Digger Phelps had Oklahoma State a nine seed in the championship game. 
against Michigan State. I mean, it's not that crazy. Because you look at that western, uh, west region, the region is pretty, the region, the region, the Ouija board. Um, the region, I don't think, is very strong. I think, actually, but ultimately, the east is worse because somehow they have the worst one seed, they have the worst two seed. Don't know. But anyways, uh, Oklahoma State, I agree with you. I don't know if Gonzaga can beat Arizona, but I think Oklahoma State definitely can. But the one double-digit seed I have in the Sweet 16 is Tennessee. They're winning right now by 21 over Massachusetts, which I felt that was a team that was overseeded. Of course, in my initial run of the bracket, I had them in the Sweet 16, so that shows how smart I am. Well, yeah, yeah, so you have to have a bracket bus, with the exception well, that you mentioned of New Mexico. Yeah, that's right. I am in solid well, shape thus far, especially when, again, I almost lost my champion in Louisville last night. I think almost but I think the Tennessee team, they're a very talented club. They're the Palmroy staff, KenBob.com. They were the 11th most efficient team in the country. They're an 11 seed with the 11th most efficient team in the country. A very underrated club that played very well in the SEC tournament. Played Florida very well both times. Exactly. And now they get a good Mercer team. But I think they, though they would still be Mercer, but I had not beaten Duke regardless. So that's the real, the biggest shock I have in my, except for maybe Connecticut, and I have Connecticut in the late eight, because I'm a big fan of their guards. And yeah, that's Daniel's really showed up. Absolutely. They're a very good team. So, Flo, who is your, who's your final four? My final four was Florida, Michigan State, Louisville, Arizona. I had Florida, uh, Louisville, and the championship game. I picked Louisville to win it all. Graham, any big surprise? A lot of like, like so many other people, I picked Louisville to win it all. They were a big sheep team along with like a Michigan State. Or exactly. Can your cues run the table? Um, they get to the final four? I think if somebody else. The way, not, we have, like I said, the way Florida played. Yesterday, I think I would be very nervous going up against Florida. I think somebody else has to knock out Florida before we do. Uh, I could potentially see Pitt doing it. Uh, but then again, Syracuse always struggles against Pitt. But Pitt was underseeded coming into tournament because I think they struggled just a little bit during the regular season. That's right. But I think right now they're playing their best basketball. They almost got Virginia in the ACC tournament. Should have had them. Destroyed UNC. Destroyed. Colorado, I think they can beat Florida potentially. Uh, I mean, Syracuse will probably might have to go through Kansas, depending on what happens there. Uh, but I would actually be more nervous about them going up against a very experienced Florida team than a young and perhaps embedless Kansas team. So who's what are you going to say? Well, it's just I think it's interesting. I think that Pittsburgh game will be interesting because Pittsburgh is another team that plays a tough defense. But I think the problem with Pittsburgh is that their offense is pretty one-dimensional. Uh, so, but I think if they would play Florida, I think the toughest team that they would they would fear the most, I don't think would be UCLA. I think would actually be Virginia Commonwealth if they got to the Sweet 16. Because, mm-hmm. because Virginia Commonwealth has, has really descended into just a classic wild card. Because Shaka Smart's an awesome coach, and they play the half defense, so. But I think Florida does have a pretty easy route. And I've got them playing Syracuse in the Elite Eight. And I think that would be a good game because Syracuse has got one of the finest defenses in America. Yeah. It would be interesting to see a VCU-Syracuse matchup just based I agree. the very different defenses. But uh, That would be fun. Before we bail on a scram, who is the – are people over seeing that Florida could potentially be the first one team to lose? Um. 
I don't know. I really we have to see how the other one and eight nine games play out tonight. I think the eight nines this year are very good. Other than Colorado, I think was a little bit overseeded. Yeah. Uh, but the other eight nines, maybe with the exception of Kansas State, but Kansas State did play Kansas tough mm. in the Big Twelve tournament. Uh, I think the other eight nine seeds have a very good shot. I think U, UVA is probably the one seed most likely to get knocked off in the second round just because of the way they play. Yeah. They can blow out teams when they go on very long runs, but they can also, uh, since they limit the possessions in the game with their, how they run their defense and offense, it allows the other team to stay close for a longer period. Yeah, their offense, we see their offense stagnate yeah. several times this year, and thus they, it always turns into a grinder. Yeah. Uh, and I think uh, you mentioned Kansas State. I think a Wichita State-Kentucky game. Yes. If, I, if, in my bracket, I actually have Kentucky being That's not State. crazy. If Kentucky played like they did in the SEC championship game, and if they, they finally figured out how to play, because on paper, it's probably still the most talented team in the country. And Calipari, God bless them, is really a very underrated coach because people think that, he he recruits guys and that well actually I don't know if he's very underrated. That's that's an over. He's a national champion. He's a national champion. But I feel like people have always thought of Calipari. He's a guy that recruits awesome players. He gets talent. He does. He does. But he's, what a, a coach he's always been. The stuff he did at Massachusetts was awesome. You can't. You can't. He got them to the final four, didn't he? He's absolutely. He's some terrible Massachusetts team like Sweet Sixteen. He was. You know. He. And he also, because people hate on him because he, he is the biggest so guy that goes for the one-and-done guys. Which is fine. That's the rules. Yeah, and he, he goes after the best guys that absolutely. could get them. Yeah, I'm surprised, I'm surprised they are an 8-9 seed. Of course, there are a lot of yeah. better teams better than Charles Barkley was like, that's, Kentucky's a full seed. That's ridiculous. Because he easily, easily have Kentucky as like a 7 or a 6 seed. I agree. They were good. That's the finals of their conference. And they played losing to a 1 seed. And they... they Play great down the stretch to make it a game. It was a final possession game. Yeah, they're down by seven. And they played a very tough schedule this year. So I think that if they're finding a groove, it's going to be interesting how they come out against a, a decent K-State team. Uh, I think uh, Kansas State's a good club, but I think Kentucky will win there. I think Kentucky-Wichita State game. I think that would be a fun one to watch. That would be on Sunday? That would be Sunday probably – an early, probably a CBS game. Oh, wow. Lafayette, by the way, has tied Creighton. How about that? That could be a bracket buster for me. I like Creighton. I got to so, so, so slow. And, and, and eligible to win the Warren Buffett billion dollars, but you still have one of the best brackets in the country. I guess. As, uh, I'm not That's LLC rates. <laughs> I, I guess. Yeah, it was a great call by me not getting the perfect uh, getting the perfect bracket, even though I didn't have a chance. I wonder if there is someone with the perfect bracket. There may be. I wonder if Buffett will, going into the Final Four, someone has a perfect bracket. If, if Buffett gives you, like, a buyout opportunity. Yeah, exactly. So we'll, we'll switch gears from Final Parts Madness. We'll get back to the scores and updates as well. We're now joined on the line by a very good friend of mine. He is an AU alum. Well, not alum. He's still he's I guess still technically an AU legend. AU legend, Patriot League Goalkeeper of the Year, and now officially a member of the San Jose Earthquake. Billy Knutson joins us. What's up, Billy? First off, congratulations. How does it feel to be officially part of pro soccer? Mike, it's, it's awesome, man. You know, it's a dream come true to uh, play for my hometown team, you know. It's, uh, 
something I've always wanted to do and made the most of it. So couldn't be happier about it. After uh, sadly the uh, Patriot League, your your your, your college soccer career coming to an end, and what can only be described as a game from hell in Bucknell. Um, yeah. What did you do to prepare up until uh, draft day? Um. Well, I did not really know I was going to be drafted, but I I tried to stay in shape, and on the uh, chance I did, and I didn't expect to be drafted to be honest, and. Uh, on draft day, I was working out, didn't didn't watch it, and came back to my phone after uh, it was over and saw a bunch of tweets from random San Jose fans saying, like, welcome to the team, and I was kind of blown away. And then four days later, I'm in, in camp, and I've been there ever since. So it's been a great experience. For the, for the average sports fan that only wishes to make it to the big leagues, what was it like to receive messages and say, hey, we, we're drafting you, we want you to be on this team? <laughs> it, was, it was surreal, man. It's uh something I never thought was happening, something I've always wanted to do, but, you know, when it actually becomes reality, you're, you're pretty starstruck, and uh, it's honestly hard to explain. But it's been, uh, you know, best experience of my life, and I'm very thankful for the opportunity. What's, the, what's been the best part so far? Um, I think just the atmosphere and the, the guys on the team. Obviously, going in, it's uh, – as a rookie, you can be pretty intimidated, but the guys on the team could not be more welcoming and like encouraging, and just want want me and the group to get better. So it's uh, I enjoy going into practice every day and enjoy seeing everyone on the team. What is it like going? Uh, I guess to practice and camp with arguably one of the best players of the league, potential World Cup players, guys like Clarence Goodson and uh, former MVP Chris Wondolowski. Um, it's awesome. I mean, they bring experience and talent level that I have never like been a part of before, ever experienced before. And uh, they couldn't be better guys. They're extremely humble and just want to go in and work hard. And uh, they really help the team get better as a whole. So it's you know, it's it's like unreal. Like playing with people that are going to the World Cup in a couple months. It's uh, from especially coming from one of the smaller schools, like a smaller school in the. Uh, in college level, so it's a big jump, but I'm really cherishing the opportunity. What are some? What is? What is your uh, words of wisdom for now? The uh, potential fans that you will have that you could tell aspiring kids. Uh, uh, basically, what advice would you give to someone that is in your shoes? That what uh, be in your shoes down the road? You know, I I've always kind of been uh, a big fan of just trying to control what you can control. You know. Uh, so for me, that means staying in the best shape as possible, having good attitude, and just trying, like, not um, giving anyone a reason to to not want to be around you. So that I kind of believe that investing in my character more than my talent and my work ethic, then it'd be uh, better. So I think just keep a strong work ethic and be ready to outwork anyone uh, that you're competing against. And um, and anyone uh, anyone special that you'd like to thank. Uh, for getting you in the situation that you're in now? Um, there's so many people. Obviously, all my coaches that I've been through uh, that have like, taught me everything I know. And uh, I'll probably definitely have to give a special shout-out to uh, Sean Kuykendall, you know, recently passed away. And he was a big uh, influence in my life and kind of steered me toward this, this goal and helped me accomplish it. And uh, I got to say goodbye to him before he passed away. But, you know, it's, he's in a better place now. All right, we'll get you out of here on this. Uh, First off, what is your what is your new number so uh, we can go 
splurge on San Jose Earthquake jerseys? Um, 31. I didn't get to pick this one, so uh, I'm 31 right now. I'll see if I can change it back to my 27th in college, but uh, I think some have already taken it. Yeah, is there someone on number 27? Yeah, actually, uh, one of my friends, uh, he got drafted with me, Joe Sophia. He's from UCLA, an amazing defender, but he had a similar story of coming in as a freshman to UCLA and being given number 27 and then keeping it all four years because he, uh, he actually liked it. So, And uh, uh final question, what what has been sort of the best uh, I guess not the best moment because obviously it's getting drafted, and getting signed. But what's been the funniest moment or sort of the biggest eye-opening experience that you've had? I think the, the first couple of days of just kind of, you know, going in and training with the earthquakes. This is a team that I've grown up watching and grown up being a fan of. And going in those first couple of days and just being like, you know, seeing all these people that I consider to be like legends, and now they're they're like joking with me and having like we're just like having a laugh about things. It's uh that's probably been the best. So just like getting to know the guys on the team has been amazing. All right, he's Billy Knutson, recent acquisition to the San Jose Earthquake. DC United fans will not be seeing them because DC United travels to San Jose. But you actually do come to Dallas, so expect to see me and Ryan Morales <laughs> in the right. stands completely out of our minds. Thanks again again for joining us, Billy. Yeah, thanks for having me. Look at that, an AU legend, Billy Knudsen. Now a member of the San Jose Earthquakes. Check them out. They're building a new stadium. They're celebrating their, uh, I think, 40th anniversary uh, with with potential World Cup players, which is an interesting uh, stat. But we'll get back to the NCAA tournament before we uh, delve into other sports. Current scoring updates. Creighton leads Louisiana Lafayette 51-50, 10.46 to go. Eastern Kentucky is actually beating Kansas by nine. Really? And Tennessee is continuing to roll and continuing to make Flo look like a genius. And we got the funk. Oh, well, uh, glory be, the funk's on me, Bobby. Keep that funk alive. Keep that funk alive. Mm. Well, it's 1975, and we'll just be keeping the funk alive. It's our time for our quickly acclaimed statement. Tweets from Flow, sponsored by bflow360.com. You can get great uh, women's tournament predictions in which the Ben Florence has a final four of UConn, Stanford, Notre Dame, West Virginia, ones and two seeds with my boy Gino Ariema winning it all. I noticed, have you done one for uh, free agency in the NFL? I have not that one. What is well? What has been your thoughts? To, to compl- oh, obviously Gucci has a sponsor on your uh, blog. Isn't that true? Uh, oh. We see it. We see it firsthand. Okay. What has been the biggest? The completely uh, going 180, but college for, for football. What has been the biggest uh, um, trade? I guess in uh, biggest NFL. Trade, biggest signing. <laughs> um, they have plenty of Demarcus Ware going to Denver. Absolutely, I think Denver. Spent a lot of money. I think they way overpaid for a keep the league. I do not trust him on more than a one-year deal. But they're a team that they're definitely they're uh, they're definitely playing for next year. Building, bringing Tamarcus Winter. He's still very good pass rusher. He's gonna be awesome off the edge across Vaughn Miller. 
Um, I think Denver made a, a big splash. But I think um, the Patriots signed Darrell Revis. Darrell Revis was uh, released by the Buccaneers. I don't know why they, they didn't just keep him. Like it's not, like give him a year, and I know he's not a good cover two guy. But then he went to, for a two-year, like, $30 million deal to the Patriots. And thought that he wanted to go to the Jets, but apparently they didn't get in the mix. And then they also signed Brandon Brower, who is a little overrated, and he had uh, substance abuse issues, or he was actually suspended for that last year. And they signed him for a three-year, $17 million deal, $1 million guaranteed. So a lot of, a lot of action in free agency thus far. Did you like the uh, Eric Decker going to the Jets? I think it was uh, I think it was a decent move. I don't think it was a terrible move. I think I actually thought they were going to way overpay, and they only paid paid a little bit. Eric Decker's not a number one guy. He played very well. I like Decker when he was in Minnesota, but he's not a number one receiver. I think his numbers weren't played because he played for Peyton Manning. He wasn't even a number one receiver with Denver. That would be Demarius Thomas. Or even Wes Walker, if he was healthy, would probably, actually, no, it would be Thomas, pardon me. But I think that he, they need, desperately needed something at receiver. They had nothing there last year. I mean, Geno Smith was a fiasco. And for people to say he was a fiasco because of he had no receivers, that's just not true. He was still atrocious. But if you're going to give a guy, you got to give him at least the weapons around him. So if he fails, then, then he has no excuse. So I don't think it was a terrible signing. I think it was a great sign. So right in the middle. Well, my favorite signings was Julius Peppers to no, your pass, which I said the other day it could be a shoe and make the Super Bowl. I still stick by that. They were probably one of the best in the NFC with the fact that you now bring Peppers, who is a very good defensive player. Although a shell of himself, though. Yeah, it's true. But uh, usually uh, NFL teams bring in old guys to – sort of inspire the uh, rookies and young guys. And they return Eddie Lacy, who was NFL Offensive Rookie of the Year. Right. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, full healthy, can definitely run the table because last year <laughs> NFC North was a mess. Excuse me. Of course, Golden Tate did go to the uh, Lions. That's right. But they overpaid for him, but he's a solid fit there. Lions still don't really have a good uh, secondary. That's right. Oh, no, no. And the Bears are a mess. Yeah, Bears are defensive. They don't know for the defense. And they're stuck with Cutler to, what, 2020? Well, Cutler, I, I like Cutler more than people give him credit for. But that's not the most important free agent signing of the offseason because on March 24th, Flo's boy Mike Francesa begins his uh, new tenure right. at Fox Sports 1. Yeah. Give your boy a shout-out. What can we expect from uh, Fox Sports on? Fox Sports on, yeah, Francesa. Uh, it's going to be coming to Fox Sports 1 this Monday. He's going to be on 1 to 4 on Fox Sports 1, 4 to 6, Fox Sports 2. That was an interesting wrinkle. It was reported about a month ago that it seemed like he was going to go to Fox Sports 1. But then the Fox Sports 2 angle, which I think is a good move, get some more exposure, Fox Sports uh, 2, and it gives Fox Sports 1 some more afternoon, earlier programming. Now you can say that. Uh, he's called Spies to do a New York, a local New York sports show, which is true. But it's not like Francesca talks solely about Yankees and the Giants and all that. You, you will talk about the main stuff, but it's still a New York show. New York's the biggest market, so you're getting some more, uh, 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 getting more of an identity in New York. 
and also New York fans are everywhere, including right here. So I'm excited for it. I think it's gonna be great. I can't wait because the Fox Sports One it's it's on the rise to be a, a pretty dominant channel. Well, I don't know about that. Well, better than the Yes Network. Well, obviously, because that's a regional sports network. So that means there'll be more mangas. Absolutely. More Diet Coke. More, ju- more just straight-up shenanigans. And the best part about it, now, the two-time show in the WFA on the morning show, and now for some of the voice being simulcast on a uh, national network. That's right, the uh, CBS Sports the Network. Boomer and Carson show. Boomer and Carton on uh, weekday mornings. So that means... Third in line has to be us. Absolutely. We should be. We should be on. Well, of course, we can't be on NBC Sports. Network. That's Dan Patrick's show. And we love the Dan Patrick. Show. We do love it. We can't. We can't do anything. But well, we got the Friday. It's a one hour a week a Friday show. Exactly. If anyone is listening to this, we would love to be simulcasted. Do it. Uh, we we will be. We will have great sponsors. We have great banter. And fantastic banter. And, and every once in a while, we'll throw in a stat here and there. <laughs> A lot of big names, a lot of big stories. Uh, interesting is that Jonathan Martin is returning to the, his former college coach, Jim Harbaugh, and now at the San Francisco 49ers. Having a new start could be good. 49ers team that is, has the chance to make their third straight NFC title game. Potential team to get back to the Super Bowl. Johnny Football is close to trademarking the Johnny Football name. How about that? Uh, featured in a in a McDonald's commercial throughout the tournament with uh, our very good friend LeBron James. Right. Um, opening is opening day coming up? I think is that next week? Uh, well, technically, I think tomorrow uh, the the Dodgers and the Diamondbacks are playing a couple games in Sydney, Australia. But I think we still have another week until opening day kicks it off. I'd have to take a look at that. So next week will be our baseball preview. We'll give you everything you need to know on the good old um, football. 30th. So that is a week from next, a week from this Sunday. Um, I asked the SportsIllustrated.com report says former UConn coach Jim Calhoun could be interested in the Boston College job. Speaking of that, wait, 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 wait. What? Yes. And speaking of that, it says, um, according to ESPN.com's Jeff Goodman, uh, has significant interest in the vacant Boston College job. Although Jim Calhoun is 71 years old and stepped down for Kevin Ollie to take over after injuring his, bringing his hip in a bike riding accident. Being a number of health issues. Exactly. Would you, would you be down having Calhoun back? Um, if I'm Jim Calhoun, I mean, I understand coaches, they never want to give up coaching. They still have that urge to do it. But, again, the guy that's 71, he's had health issues. I don't understand Boston College hasn't been a good program in, like, 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 years. That's right. And, uh, Troy Bell and, uh, Dante Jones. Oh, yeah, yeah. Duke. Now, I always lump those two together, but pardon me, Troy Bell. Eddie Jackson was from Boston. That's right. That's the right. other guy. But um, if I'm Jim Calhoun, I don't know why he do it. I still think he could coach. I don't know why he would do it because he has the health issues and he's 71. But for Boston College, I mean, it would be a good fit. He's a Northeast flagship. He is, a, he is a great coach, so, I mean, for a program to get a little publicity out of it, why not? 
Yeah, also, I didn't realize Boston College was a former Big East team. Uh, great 30 for 30 last week. The uh, rec room for the Big East. Yeah. Uh, there's Boston College, Seton Hall, uh, Syracuse, I think UConn, Nova, Providence. Uh, that's right. Seton Hall mentioned that. You did? I'm missing a team. I'm missing uh, a pretty, uh, pretty obvious team. I don't understand why. Georgetown? Yes. Yeah, sorry, Georgetown fans. Who did win their NIT game, by the way? Which, I mean, hey. And could run the table. That was a, it was a great 30 for 30. I definitely want to give shout-outs to that. Uh, made me hate college football just a little more because it ultimately, ultimately was the demise of one of the greatest conferences ever. Now the Big East is run by teams such as Xavier and Creighton and Butler. It's never in the Big East. Butler, three years ago, was in the horizon. Creighton was in the, was in the valley. Uh, sad. Uh, great people, though, on it. Bill Raftery, yep. as always. John Thompson. June, uh, John Thompson the second. We need a first of all, We need a coach to come back. I need to talk to Brennan. He needs to start wearing his have a towel. Of course, Brennan's trademark is the Hall's cough drops. That's right. Why I loved it. Thompson's with the towel. Uh, who's the guy from um, Seton Hall or Villanova? Raleigh Massimino? Yep. Him. Um, I'm blanking on the guy. Who's the guy from St. John? Lucarnaseca. Uh, yes, him. It's amazing how Bayheim has been there since day one. It's great. Uh, another Big East lover. Shout out to Mike Gamberdell. Hopefully he's listening to this show. Other news coming across the wire. Manchester United considering firing manager David Moyes after they actually won against Olympiacos to advance to the Elite Eight of the Champions League. And Lionel Messi becomes Barcelona's all-time leading goal scorer after scoring a hat trick last week. He's 26 years old, Flo. Barcelona's a club that's been around since, like, the dawn of time. That's right. Like, 100-plus years. That's right. And he's a 26-year-old kid, because he still is one. Yep. He's a leading goal scorer. And then the dude's been on an absolute tear. But he's really not that good, though. He's the best. He's the, he's the, I'm going to say he's the best player of our generation. And the only thing no, that separates him no. from Pele is a World Cup. No, he is not better than Michael Bradley. Take it back. Take it back. Also, for the like he's fans listening, the content, the FIH. Yes. The Federation of International Hockey. Not, not ice hockey. Uh, it's proposing on changing rules to Hockey World League Final and 2016 Rio Olympics. The fact that they're going to shorten the games and have optional 40-second timeouts and penalty corners. So there will be a lot of strategy and a lot of fast-paced hockey on the turf. But I mean, I think that's a joke. And I mean, that's funny. That's in 2016 for the World for the uh, Olympics. The World Cup, which is in great danger, only three months away, and only half the stuff isn't built. An amazing AP article I read last Sunday says that they were promised eight, they had $8 billion of renovations, subways, um, infrastructure, air, airports, and nearly probably about 70% of it's complete. It's three months away. And the sad thing was there's a quote from a professor at Holy Cross, nonetheless, right. in which he said, basically, they, they, when time is slowly creeping up, up on them, the Brazilians are going to half-ass it. It's going to be built, but it's not going to be world quality. They're going to do it just to get it done. And that makes me sad. World Cup is supposed to be a once-every-four-years thing. Wait, what is this again? 
Uh, people, people World Cup. Yeah. Apparently, when they were awarded a couple years ago, they, the Brazilian government promised eight billion dollars would go to renovations, airports, yeah. runway, the new runways at certain uh, like subway. Oh, what are they half-assing it? Well, no, that was a quote, not a direct quote, but that's basically paraphrasing a quote from a, a professor at Holy Cross. He's saying Naturally. because it's three months away from opening kick that the Brazilians are pretty much just going to just get it to get it done. You know, not if it's the prettiest, not if it's safe. As we've seen a stadium collapse earlier this year. That's right. They're going to do it just to get it done. Great. And that makes me sad. That's great. Also, you're in Clemson mad at the MLS because he's feared that Clint Dempsey might get hurt because the MLS is consistently, the left referees are allowing dirty play to happen. What's wrong with that? We love dirty play. But not when our, not when our USA Talisman and captain will get injured, which actually I would not be surprised if a USA star gets hurt between now and then. That's opening up another can of worms. Quick score updates. Kansas still losing. Three minutes left in the first, 27-22 against yeah, Eastern well, Kentucky. By the way, I got a rant to go on. It's a guy that was in Missouri last week. And How was that? It was great. And I had my buddy of mine who's actually going to be coming in tomorrow. That's my parents' leave, so how about that? But here's what I don't understand with Kansas. Missouri. It's University of Kansas, University of Missouri. Kansas goes by KU. Missouri goes by MU. How does that make sense? That's true. It would be UM. It should be UM. UK. UK. I understand UK is Kentucky. I think UM is Miami. And UM is Miami. But, I mean, come on now. Let's, let's be real here. And, and Missouri is, like, one of the oldest schools in America. Well, I don't know about that. Uh, but it's like, you know, one of the, uh, uh, all the schools west of the uh, uh, mighty Mississippi. The mighty you are behind them just too much. Creighton leads 65-58. Gonzaga leads 21-16. Uh, Creighton game is actually winding down four minutes left in the first half. Tennessee did win, so they take on Mercer. Interesting second-round games. I'd love to see how Harvard comes out against Michigan State. Uh, one of your quick shouts to Matt Fraschilla, who is currently the only person from my high school alive. Three Al Park alums entered. Only one remains. James Fraschilla's team lost to North Dakota State. And Will Miller's team of Mount St. Mary's lost to Albany. I do want to end it, uh, the show on my rant of about Tennessee. Uh, for those college basketball aficionados, they were a team that played in the first four beating Iowa, which makes me mad because that means three. That means Tennessee has a chance to make it to the Sweet 16, which would be the third year in a row that a uh, so first four to the Sweet 16, the others, VCU, Ashaka Smart, when they made the Final Four, which was fantastic, and now Ashaka Smart's a hero in the good old Commonwealth of Virginia. Absolutely. And then the second team was LaSalle last year. Mm. makes me mad. I do not like the first four. It is pretty awful. It ruins the tournament. It basically gives teams that really shouldn't be in the tournament a second chance. And so, obviously, the mindset going into it is we have new life. We have nothing to lose now. Teams play like new momentum. Teams play like that that way, and then they make the Sweet 16. And it doesn't feel like the tournament either. I mean, Greg Doyle, CBS Sports, I covered an awesome piece of that. How much of a joke it is. Because nobody really... Say for Turner, say for the NCAA, say for a Turner, nobody treats it like the tournament. 
I mean, people like it becomes almost like after after the NIT, which I mean, I do love the NIT, but I mean, it you know, we talked about this earlier, early in the day, but I mean, I don't, I hate greed like that. Just come on. After you get rid of it, it's ruining it. It, you know, it's, it's, it's ruining America. That's three straight years. A line, a line has to be drawn in the sand. Jay Billis hates it. I mean, Jay Billis is pretty much the voice of college basketball. The voice of America. Great radio station. You're going to learn yeah. today. You're going to learn today. But needless to say, they might actually make the Sweet 16, which would be, I mean, not bad. Tennessee was a pretty bad team in a bad conference this year. Yeah. But I digress. Also, any shout-outs you want to give for you on the show? I want to give a shout-out to my parents. I think they're listening right now. If not, they can listen to the podcast on iTunes. Absolutely, that's right. Or on people360.com. Uh, that's currently the only thing we're simulcast on. It must be on the uh, the airways. So. Oh, we remember that. That was we love to be on an actual radio station. Any other shout-outs? Uh, my buddy Jeff's going to be in town the next few days. I'm great. Um... Man, I just hope we get some more great uh, March Madness action. I want to give a shout-out to a senior and a freshman. Well, first, um, the senior, uh, Doug McDermott, who is three minutes, 32 seconds away from advancing. I would love to see how far he goes in the tournament. Win or lose, uh, it's been an absolute treat watching him. I've I've watched college basketball, and very few players stick out of my mind of, all-around good players. J.J. Redick was a good player. He couldn't shoot pretty much from anywhere. But that was pretty much it. He was just a shooter. Adam Morris in the same way, but leading a very small Gonzaga team. Doug McDermott, though, is such a rare breed. Yes. It's almost like when is the next time a Doug McDermott is going to happen? Mm-hmm. Because now are the days of the one-and-dones. Players coming in and out. You have good in the freshman. I want to give a shout-out to Sabari Parker. I want to say, please stay, because as we said, as Graham and I said earlier in the show, uh, you have a great recruiting class coming in, and the name that Graham actually was looking for was Jaleel Okafor from Chicago. So another Chicago player will join you on the Duke roster. Uh, Justice Winslow from Houston out of St. John's High School. Yep. wonder if Pee-wee knows him. Hey. Uh, actually, guys from Pee-wee's High School play for Oregon still in the tournament. How about that? So Houston Yates still alive. So basically we're still alive, too. Exactly. Uh, we live vicariously through Oregon now. Yes. Fire Parker, please stay. Unlike Wiggins, Randall. First of all, Randall's a beast, by the way. Randall is very He Randall's. is huge. And he'll probably go to the NBA. But it's sad because you don't want, I want Javari Parker to go. One, because any player that leaves Duke early is stupid. I agree. Because you lose a, a world-class education. You lose a chance to play with the coach of USA. You know I, mean? I mean, it's different like, you know, going and playing for Bill Self. Roy Williams, played for Mike Krzyzewski. He is the Mr. College Basketball. And hopefully this loss to Mercer will spur you to come back. I think Quinn Cook is still there next year. Um, Because if... Because if... Yeah. And the list goes on. Your boy Grant Hill. Christian Leitner. Grant Hill. Elton Brand. Well, what's interesting with Duke is that... um, Please stay. Yeah, exactly. Well, uh... Yeah, actually, you know, what I was going to talk about was the uh, Adam Silver, apparently, the new commissioner of the NBA. Still feels weird saying, even though it's been a month that we don't have a commissioner, David Silver. Adam there. Silver, who I li- like a lot this far, has shown him an open mind. It seems like one of the big things he wants to do, well, besides fixing the saving the draft lottery, which is a mess. 
but I show by what's going on in uh, Philly. Mike Friel, Mike Friel will be joining us on the show next week to talk about what in the world is going on in the city of Brazil. But it seems like one of the top uh, things on the agenda for Adam Silver is moving to a two-year after graduation, which I think is a good move. I, I would like, what I would like for it to be is uh, like what you do in baseball, basically. You can either come out after high school or you got to stay two years. And I think the NFL is just two years as well. You have to be a junior. Exactly. Well, three years. Three years. So, Which makes sense as footballs. And apparently the NFL is getting sued again for more concussions. So okay. we'll be following that with you have lawsuits. great detail. But yeah, actually, uh, Nicole Arbeck of USA Today last week How about that? said that uh, it's something that the, only the NBA can control. She would like it in, in a purple. She doesn't really care. But she would like to see the two years, as would our good friend Sir Charles Barkley. That's right. So, I would like to see three years, but that's not good. I still think you should be allowed to come out after high school. I don't. There was nothing really wrong with that. Sure, I, the I, thing, as, as last week's episode, Nicole said that, that basically, I don't think the NBA wants to turn to a prep league. Of course. And, and, and that was the concern when um, you start seeing a lot of guys come out from high school, a lot of them not ready. But I think players should be allowed to have that choice. I think it should be, uh, I think what they should do, you can come out to high school or else you have to stay two years. And if you can come out, they can come out any year after that. There's some notables of guys that have stayed two years or more. Steph Curry, Blake Griffin, Doug McDermott. Anyone else? Um, Malcolm Barber Malcolm Barber Rico We stayed all four years That's, uh, no, So there you go Snack Radio solves the world's problems We also did not fly in fly- We also were not the people That found Flight 370 oh, Nobody's found it I don't, It's still missing If we were in charge Of that operation We, we would have Well if I was flying that plane We, we would still be there And another thing uh, To end on Apparently there's snow next week which the sound of that just makes my skin crawl, but it's spring. For B Flow, Graham Burns, I'm Mike Gardner. Check out the podcast on iTunes. Listen to Billy Kingston's interview. Newly acquired San Jose earthquake. Check us out at bflow360.com. This has been Fanatic Radio. See you next week. <laughs>